Sometimes when it comes to outreach, you can look at what others are doing and simply translate that model to your context, your community. But what do you do when those methods don't translate and you're in a community that simply pushes you out of your comfort zone? What then? Pastor Schult has moved from the Midwest to the San Francisco Bay Area. Life is just a little different there. Hear how he's tackling these challenges and opportunities. And maybe there's some insight for you too on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. So, I'm Midwestern born and raised. The Midwest is known for agriculture, small farming towns, friendly neighbors, and churches on every corner. Okay, maybe that's not 100% accurate, but it's not far off either. But when I think about San Francisco, I think about one of the most diverse cities in the nation, flooded with culture, art, food, festivals, museums, architecture. My first thought is, ministry might look a little different in these two contexts. Pastor Schult, who is the pastor at Redeemer Lutheran in the Bay Area, is giving us a behind-the-scenes look at ministry in a post-Christian era. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Well, Paul, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and the journey that led you to San Francisco. You didn't start there, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Actually, I'm a, a born and raised Midwestern person as well. Uh-huh. I, I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. My parents were Lutheran school teachers. I went to a Lutheran school, Lutheran University. Um, I eventually went to school to become a high school English teacher and basketball coach. That was my passion <laughs> growing up in Indiana. And uh, then went to the seminary and began pastoral ministry. And both of my calls were in the Midwest as well, Council Bluffs, Iowa, and um, St. Louis, Missouri area. So mm-hmm. I've spent my whole life in the Midwest. And uh, that's kind of my story. Um, uh, my wife and I have five kids, and they were born and raised in St. Louis, so they kind of know this as home too. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I, as I was doing ministry, um, that, that just kind of the mission component has always kind of captured my attention. So that was a big part of the transition to San Francisco. So as you're pastoring a church here in the Midwest, what was the culture like around you? You know, I was both of the places I was in was very churched. Um, the The majority of people in the community um, had either been churched um, at some point in their life, or were very open to being churched. Um, knew some basic things about the Bible. Knew some basic things about Jesus. Um, maybe were either inactive in their faith, but still kind of had this sense like. I, I should go to church. I should be a Christian. That would be the right thing to do that most other people are. And so just kind of for people to come back to church or come back to Jesus was usually just kind of a short step away for them to take. And so ministry was in large part um, kind of um, reaching out to those people, being inviting to those people, Um to kind of graciously welcoming welcoming them and not guilting them in but but they had kind of an inclination to come and a sense that they should come. And how long were you involved in ministry a ministry like that? Uh, I was 3 years in Iowa and 18 years here in the St. Louis area. So when you started looking towards this shift to San Francisco, what were your ideas of what things might be like there? Well, I 
I did have a pretty strong sense that things would be very different, mm-hmm. that that would not be the case anymore, that in general people would not have a sense that going to church would be a good thing to do or that Christianity was a good thing. So I, I knew that churches were having a much more difficult time in the Bay Area, that um, there were a lot fewer large churches in the Bay Area. Um, so I—, I I did have some sense that I was getting to something that was going to be different and challenging. Well, I've been to San Francisco, and I've seen churches. I've seen buildings and different things around the area. But what's the religious makeup like in the area? Do people do people go to these buildings? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, it's There's a couple things about it. One is there's a, there are many more organizations, um, buildings that are kind of what falls into – um, spiritual but not religious mm. or different, definitely different world religions. So yes. you see that much more common. And then just kind of different spiritual places, you know, Zen yeah. kind of um, transcendental, those kind of things. Um, so those are very common too, much more common than in the, in the Midwest. But – and then you, you do see – you do see Christian churches. But they on the average just tend to be not thriving yeah. There, there are very few people there in church. There are a lot of churches that are worshiping 50 to 75 people a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some successful churches that are doing some thriving, vibrant ministry. They're fewer, and they're not as big. Mm-hmm. So, they're, you know, in the Midwest, gee, I was in the St. Louis area, and in our county, we had eight Lutheran churches alone that were worshiping 500 to 1,200. Uh-huh. And we don't have one in our entire district that's worshiping those kind of numbers, not one. Mm. So in general, you just see a lot less activity and a lot less participation. What made you want to make that jump? <laughs> um, I'll say the, the right uh, – God <laughs> is, the, is the obvious answer, but, but also a very serious answer. Um, but just the, maybe the challenge of something new and different. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd been 18 years at a pretty large growing church um, and – Enjoyed it thoroughly, but as I was considering maybe what would be next, I didn't want to do more of the same. And so this was creating a whole new challenge for me to to learn something new and to experience something new and to try something new. But at the same time, it was kind of in my wheelhouse, which has always been mission. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been drawn and attracted to to mission. So those two things kind of worked together to— kind of call me there. What is it about mission that like stirs within you, that that makes you kind of light up when you start talking about it like that? Um, Part of it is just kind of compassion who don't, for people who don't know Christ, who Mm -hmm. live apart from him. I've I've just always had a sense that the church should be outward focused, that if, if we as Christians in the church all only speak and plan and design our ministry for ourselves, who's speaking on behalf of those who aren't here, which is why we should exist. So I just always had that sense that that there were many who were living apart from Jesus and that we were here to do something about that. And then just the part of it is the excitement of being on the mission field where things are very different, where um, a good friend of mine, um, Bob Newton, who's a missiologist, he defines mission as taking the gospel where the church is not in charge. Mm. And I, I've always loved that because it's, yeah, you you behave very differently when you're in charge than when you're not in charge. And so 
now you have to do things on other people's terms instead of on our terms. And to me, that was always exciting to say, oh, I, I don't get to be in control anymore. Somebody else is in control and, and I have to figure this out. Well, let's talk about other people's terms a little bit. So you moved to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, I would imagine there was some culture shock involved in that shift, but maybe more than just like, hey, the streets look different. Food is maybe a little different. You have access to a whole world of things that you might not have had access to in the Midwest because it's such a large city. But what, what about the culture shock of working with people who are coming from a completely different place? Where were people starting from as you started to reach out into your community? People are at a very different place. They do not have a Christian worldview. They have a very secular worldview, and that was very different. The other thing is the the Bay Area is dominated by Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So the tech industry and the pace of the tech industry and the the culture of the tech industry is uh, more than I was probably prepared for. Um, You realize how it has just overtaken the culture of the Bay Area. And then – what that has created is um, an almost absurd economy mm-hmm. and then an intensity of life that where the margins are very thin and it's kind of survival of the fittest. Is it a transient culture then too? Are people moving in and out? Yeah. It's, uh, some, somebody told me once that it still has the gold rush culture, yeah. which is people are there to strike it rich. How do you build relationships when people are living at such a fast pace? Yeah, it's – that, that is one of the great challenges is mm-hmm. it's um, relationally, um, it's very superficial. I mean, you know, people come and go so fast and there's so much movement that it's hard to build trust. So how do you do it? I don't know if I've figured out a great answer to that, but a big part of it is to be available, to not have your life be so structured and so planned like I was used to of working when people are available and open. So I've had to become much more flexible about the way I structure my time and my life and my schedule. Tell me a little bit about what your ministry looks like, like the ins and outs. What, is it, what does a day look like for you? Yeah. Well, our ministry includes a, a K-8 to day school. Mm-hmm. So that's, that shapes the day-to-day life of Redeemer um, in, in a big way. It's probably like a lot, like a lot of pastors— Weekly worship and and the programmatic side of ministry and of having kids on campus and and stuff like that. So that kind of day to day part is very similar. What's different for me is the the much stronger emphasis on discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is very different and and new that for me in the terms of the, what what I'm doing with my time. Are a lot of the the families in your school are they church families or are they people from your community who are looking for a private school? Yeah, most of them are looking for a private school. We probably have about somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of our student body is uh, an active part of our church ministry. Um, probably another 20 percent or so are active at other Christian churches. But a, a good majority of our people um, are either de-churched, not participants in church, or just are very secular and just looking for a good a good education and a safe environment for their kids. Has that opened any doors for interesting ways to be reaching families? Yeah, absolutely. That that is a big emphasis of our ministry is to connect with our school families. So we've um, our our youth minister, our middle school and high school youth ministry is really designed around our our middle school kids at our school. Our 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 Sunday school has we've tried to integrate our school families but just getting to know the kids and the families of building relationships 
is a big part of what I do because there's there are so many unbelievers right there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we are investing so many resources into having them on campus that that just has to be our our first strategy of of serving and reaching people. So you've been in San Francisco for about two years. Yeah, two and a half. Two and a half years at this point. Um, and you're, you're getting your feet wet mm-hmm. <laughs> in ministry there. I'm wondering um, if things are starting to look differently than you thought that they would. It's different than maybe you expected in some ways. I think the discipleship piece of just how um, just how much more challenging it is to reach people, how many more, just how much further away they are from coming to faith in Jesus and how how many steps they have to take <laughs> toward Jesus to actually be coming to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the work is just very different and, and, and much slower and much, much more relational. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're really working hard with our people at Redeemer to to really for them to see themselves on mission beyond our walls. The stark reality is that very, very few people are going to wander into our church doors seeking answers, and that is just not the place they're going to look or listen. And so the only way that's going to happen is if our people are out making themselves available and open to interacting with the people they encounter each day with with the hope of being able to share the faith that they have in Jesus. As a pastor, you have you do have this congregation that you pastor and shepherd. What's your approach to setting a vision for the for the people sitting in your pews or chairs? I don't know what your setup is like, yeah. but how do you mm-hmm. set a vision? Um, you come from this one cultural context, and then here you are in one that's so vastly different. As different as it is, it was very similar in that nature of uh, of trying to help the people see the 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 mission need. So. At Redeemer, like any other church, there's the preserving of the institution, but but they had seen the decline of their ministry mm-hmm. for 15 years. So it it didn't take a lot of convincing that we needed to do something different. And um, so we did. We just – I mean we took a very close look at the a demographic study of our community and we, we came together and just had some discussion groups. And people were all very candid about saying – all of the people they work with and encounter on a day-to-day basis are almost exclusively unbelievers. Mm. And so the reality is is right in front of their face every day. They know that there are very few Christians around them in their day-to-day lives and that they know in their own personal experiences that the people they are encountering are not going to come to our church and that inviting them to church is not really a real option. Mm -hmm. So that vision was – very easy to come to that conclusion that if we were not out on mission, that that wasn't going to happen. So the question I ask our members from time to time is, can you envision yourself being used by God to bring a person to faith in Jesus? Because that's that's the picture I want them to see in their head. Mm-hmm. And, and then to ask the question, okay, what do I need to do for that to happen? Has your philosophy of outreach or your passion for mission changed in any way as you've kind of lived out this new experience the past couple of years? Yeah, it really has. It's it's much more personal now. The mission and work I was doing used to be kind of leading projects and programs, and now it's much more one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, one-on-one 
faith and life conversations with with the people of Redeemer in terms of discipling, but also with people in our community that that don't know Jesus. It it happens through one-on-one interaction. And that's very different for me. I would imagine that there's a lot of pastors and church workers and even people who are just a normal Sunday attender at congregations who are finding themselves in places where their communities look a little different than their um, than the people sitting in the pews on Sunday morning. And they might find themselves in the season of like, what do we do now? Like, how do we how do we reach our community um, as the culture continues to shift more towards secular thinking or post-modernity or post-Christianity? Like, how would you encourage people who want to reach their community, but they're just not sure how to do it? Well, the first piece of advice I would give is to start thinking a little less programmatically and to start thinking more one-on-one. Programs are still necessary and good, but maybe we need to start scaling them, maybe having fewer and allowing people more time to be out in their communities and thinking one-on-one. And so I would encourage people to start thinking through what does it look like to make myself available to people, people that I walk past day in and day out, and either ignore or have never taken the time to get to know um, or have, you know, never asked them any questions, but to, to start thinking differently about that. And every day, all day, as you're encountering people, to slow down a little bit and to make yourself available and to get to know people and to ask their name. And it's amazing, the busier the world gets and the more fast-paced it gets, how seldom people stop and actually genuinely want to know your name and ask you and how, how often well-received that is. And to just see that, that God is a, really is at work all around you and that to just be open to that and available to that of connecting with individuals and to start thinking of that more and maybe of programs a little less. I can imagine a scenario where somebody is in a frenzied pace of life and they um, run into someone, you or someone from your congregation who stops to take a moment with them, that that must just feel like a breath of fresh air. Um, So thank you for sharing about your ministry with us today. It was such a pleasure to have you here on Action and Ministry. Thanks. Great to be a part of it. Doesn't it make sense that culture outside of the church looks a little different? Sometimes we're just unsure how to approach the community right outside our door. When people don't necessarily wander into your church, maybe it's an opportunity for you to make yourself available, slow down, get to know people, think of yourself as on mission. How can God use you when you step outside of your comfort zone? That's Action and Ministry. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.